Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to my two cents podcast episode 23 which is entitled Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Now before I get into my subjects of the day you know what I'm about to do I'm about to read off the national food holidays of the week and today for May 23rd today is National Taffy Day May 24th is Escargot Day May 25th Brown Bag Day and also Wine Day May 26th, Blueberry Cheesecake Day and Cherry Dessert Day. May 27th, Italian Beef Day. And also Great Popsicle Day. May 28th, Brisket Day. And May 29th, Biscuit Day. I use the sound clip talk from the song uh, Talk Khalid as I just want to have a conversation with you guys. Because I have uh, certain topics I just... I just feel that we all need to think about in certain instances within each topic. First thing I want to get off my whole chest is I'm tired of hearing tell your truth. There was never a such thing as whenever I was growing up in the early 2000s as tell your truth. It was always tell the truth. There was never a oh let him speak his truth. This happened in what? Early 2016, 2017, when we start coining the phrase, tell your truth. Because as a society, we already decided that, you know what? We're never going to get the whole truth. So we allow somebody to speak their truth because, you know what? We might miss little details here. We might miss details there. So you're not going to get the whole truth. People, too, whenever there's a dilemma, there's always going to be two sides of the story. Well, technically, people say three. His, hers, and then the actual truth. You know, but whenever you're in a situation, you will be able to hear out both sides of the story and it will come up with your own conclusion to exactly what happened in these scenarios. Take for an example, right here with this story from the Los Angeles Times. It's about the man who created the Flaming Hot Cheetos, but now... Recently, it has been discovered that he didn't create the Flaming Hot Cheetos. At least that's what Frito-Lays is claiming. And this comes from the Los Angeles Times, and it writes in the title is The Man Who Didn't Event Flaming Hot Cheetos. And it reads, For the last decade, Richard Montañez has been telling the, tru- telling the story of how he invented Flaming Hot Cheetos. The world has been eating it up. It goes like this. He was working as a janitor at Flaming Lay's Rancho Cucamonga plant when he dreamed up a Chile-covered Cheeto and believed in himself enough to call up the chief executive to pitch his spicy idea. Corporate backstabbers tried to sabotage Montañez for speaking out of line, but he out-hustled them, driven by hunger to succeed. Flaming Hots became a run- runway uh, no, Runaway, hit, and Montañez rose through the ranks and became an icon. Watching 
his many recorded speaking engagements, it's easy to see why his story has taken off. Montañez is a charismatic speaker in his tale of a Mexican-American underdog whose ingenuity conquered the corporate world in a rags-to-riches fabled baked into the origin of a wildly popular snack. With the spicy kick and neon red flavored dust, Flaming Hot Cheetos has inspired viral rap videos, Instagram-worthy menu items, and streetwear designs. Okay, let me get you what I'm... Oh yeah, right here. Montañez has built a lucrative second career out of telling this story, appearing at events for Target, Walmart, Harvard, and USC, among others, and commanding fees of $10,000 to $50,000 per appearance. His second memoir, Flaming Hot, The Incredible Truth Story of One Man's Rise from Janitor to Top Executive is out in June from an imprint of Penguin Random House. A biopic based on his life to be directed by Eva Longoria and produced by Christian super producer Devon Franklin for Searchlight Pictures is set to begin filming this summer. Both the book and movie were sold after bidding wards. Bidding Wars, Montaigne's story is undeniably hot. There's just one problem. Montaigne's didn't invent Flaming Hot Cheetos, according to interviews with more than a dozen former Frito-Lay's employees, the archival record, and Frito-Lay itself. None of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the Flaming Hot test market. Frito-Lay wrote in a statement to the Times in response to questions about an internal investigation whose existence has not been previously disclosed. We have interviewed multiple personnel who were involved in the test market and all of them indicate that Richard was not involved in any capacity in the test market. That does not mean we don't celebrate Richard, the statement continued, but the facts do not support the urban legend. Fritos, well, Flamin' Hot was created by a team of hot Shot snack food professionals starting in 1989 in the corporate offices of Frito-Lay headquarters in Plano, Texas. A, ju a junior employee with a freshly minted MBA named Lynn Greenfield got the assignment to develop the brand. She came up with the flaming hot name and shepherded the line into existence. Montañez did live out, live out a less Hollywood version of his story, ascending from a plant worker to a director focused on marketing. He also pitched new product initiatives, which may have changed the path of his career. But Montañez began taking public credit for inventing Flaming Hot in the late 2000s, nearly two decades after they were invented. First, he talked about it in speeches at local businesses and philanthropy, philanthropy award ceremonies, then the online media Hungry for a feel-good story, took his claims viral, and nobody at Frito-Lay stopped him. Most of the original Flaming Hot team had retired by the 2000s, but the few who remained let the story spread unchecked. Greenfield contacted Frito-Lay in 2018 after first seeing that Montañez was taking credit for Flaming Hot Cheetos, triggering a company investigation. That process unearthed evidence claiming his account into question and led the company to Conclusion it shared with the Times. We value Richard Richard's many contributions to our company, especially his insight into Hispanic consumers, but we do not credit the creation of Flaming Hot Cheetos or any Flaming Hot products to him. The producers of his biopic, despite being informed of the problems by Frito Lays in 2019, announced the cast for the movie in early May. Let me I just brought all this down upon you guys about the man who quote-unquote, didn't create Flaming Hot Cheetos, right? 
Now, if I were to have Richard here and a representative of the marketing team here with me right now, this would be a whole big debate between the two and you will get two sides of it. Now, it's just me talking to you and I want you guys, after I bring up certain things about this that I find questionable, I want you guys to do some own reasoning within your own selves and you can come up with the answer to this. Why didn't Frito's Lay stop Richard from telling the truth? Well, his truth about him creating Flaming Hot Cheetos in the early 2000s. Why? They want to stop it now because Richard is getting money from this whole thing. They want to stop him from gaining money and the world knowing his name and letting the world praise him for being the man who created Flaming Hot Cheetos instead of him just being a complete urban legend as the man who created Flaming Hot Cheetos. You know, I find it funny that whenever money comes into play, ooh, businesses try to run you up and say, nope, no, 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 no. Nope, that didn't happen. Whenever they could have stopped it years before, they were in their right to stop him in the early 2000s. They could have sent him a cease and desist from keep on telling that story at every place that he would do business at, from every lecture, from every college, from every speaking engagement. They could have sent him a cease and desist, and he would not have been able to take up any of those people's time, and he wouldn't have been able to grab any of their money at these speaking engagements for telling that story of how he created Flaming Hot Cheetos. But why is it that they did not do that? You want to know why? I think there's some merit to him actually coming up and helping create Flaming Hot Cheetos. I do. They want to stop it now, years later, because money's being exchanged to him and not to Frito-Lay. Think about it. If I were to come out and say, hey, I help make Pepsi, or whatever the ludicrous thing is, and Pepsi let me ride out with that for 20 years, just like Richard did, for 20 years... And then I will make a book and then they will be exchanging of money between me and a book company. And then people want to pick up on my story. And then Pepsi will try to sue me. Well, not really sue me, but then come out and say, well, he didn't create it. Who's the public likely to believe? Was it the guy that has been telling you for 20 some odd years that he has created Pepsi or the actual Pepsi company? Fritos has gave this man the leverage to make this story. They have given him all the power that he needs for the audience to use their own head and reasoning to say he probably did create it. If they were to say that he did not create it, in which they're sticking by right now saying that he didn't create it. And in 2018, they, create, they start doing some in company investigation. After a, a former employee, well, a person that worked on the marketing campaign for it, heard about M M Richard say this. I'm just saying that just sounds fishy to me. When money comes into play, the whole board game, the whole game changes. I think Richard helped make that snack. I think Richard helped it 
become to what it is. I do. People eat Flaming Hot Cheetos, but then once you hear about the story of who created Flaming Hot Cheetos, you you be like, oh my god. Dick gives you a story of, okay, if he can do it, you can do it from a janitor to a guy that's now up in the corporate offices. That's a feel-good story. And you will see why Frito will allow them, will allow Richard to say this, but for them now to, what, 20-some-odd years, cut him by the legs whenever money's going into his pocket, that's not right. You guys missed your opportunity to kill the story if he didn't come up with it. So that's my if he didn't come up with it. You guys missed that boat. You should have killed the story off whenever you first start getting a whiff of them of him telling and saying that AL I created Frito Lay's Hot Cheetos. You should have killed the story. There's no such way. There's no company right now. Let me tell you right now. If somebody were to say that they came up with Beats by Dre, there's no way see Dr. Dre is not coming out and hitting him with a cease and desist. There's no way that Steve Jobs, somebody in the Steve Jobs family, isn't going to slap somebody with a cease and desist right now if they said that they helped Steve Jobs make an Apple product. There's no way in the world that Apple isn't going to slap somebody with a cease and desist and tell them to stop with the line. Because that stuff happens. A cease and desist comes out now. There's no way. So, Frito, Lays, here's the deal. You missed the boat on it. Too bad, so sad, homie. You missed it. You missed the opportunity to tell your actual truth. Tell the truth about if he didn't make it. But now since Richard has done this for 20 some odd years and said that he did it, guess what? You got to ride out with it. You got to ride out. You missed the boat. I believe Richard came up with this Frito Hot snack. Personally, I don't eat these Flavin' Hot Snacks, but he came up with it. He did. And in the eyes of public opinion, he came up with it. And you're going to be looking like the messy side piece that's going to try to ruin somebody because you see him doing well. That's all you're going to end up looking like, Frito. Ladies, let's be honest. You should miss the boat. You shouldn't have said nothing. Whoever is your PR team shouldn't have ever even came up and said, yo, we need to let everybody know. No. Your first thing your PR team should have asked you was, how long has he been telling the story? Once they found out that he's been telling the story for 20 some odd years, somebody on your PR team should have said, no, 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 no. We got to let that ride. Because one, is a feel-good story. And two, you missed your opportunity because you've been heard about him saying it. You already knew that he was taking credit for this. So you missed the boat. Too bad, so sad, Fredo. You missed it. The truth is, you missed it. You missed your shot. You look like the messy side piece. You look like the beat up uh, guy that said he got his that he won the fight, but you could obviously tell that he lost the fight. You are messy. You are mad that now he's getting money from his book and a movie coming out about him. And guess what? When this movie comes out, guess what? You guys are gonna try to put the kibosh to that. Say, hey, yo, that what well, the story is great and all, but that's not true. And then Richard's going to come out and say something. I'm telling you right now, this is exactly how this is going to work. Richard's going to say that he helped create it. And then they're going to have a whole big tabloid to show big blow off between Frito-Lay and this Richard guy whenever this movie comes out. I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what's going to happen. Mark my words. But Frito's Lays, you missed the boat. You missed your shot.
That's all I got to say about that one. Now I'm on to Chris Cuomo. And this is coming from Yahoo Entertainment. Chris Cuomo. If you don't know who Chris Cuomo is, he is a CNN anchor. And you might know his brother, Andrew Cuomo. He is uh, the New York governor. And this is coming from Yahoo Entertainment. The title reads, Chris Cuomo on advertising his brother amidst allegations. I am a family first, job second. As it reads, Chris Cuomo opened Thursday's Cuomo primetime by addressing reports that he has been advertising, not advertising, advising his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, amidst multiple allegations of sexual harassment. Allegation against Governor Cuomo first surfaced late last year, and more women have come forward since with allegations covering a range of inappropriate behavior. Today, there are stories out there about me offering my brother advice. Of course I do. There is no revelation. I have said it publicly, and I certainly have never hidden it, Chris Cuomo said. I can be objective about just about any topic, but not about my family. Those of you who watch the show get it. Like you, I bet my family means everything to me. And I am fiercely loyal to them. I am family first, job second. The story about Chris Cuomo's participation in strategy sessions with his brother's team was first broken by the Washington Post Thursday afternoon, after which CNN described his behavior as inappropriate. But while a spokesperson for the network said Cuomo's participation was improper, he would not face any disciplinary action. Cuomo spoke about his unique situation and admitted it was a mistake to advise his brother in that way he did. He says, being a journalist and a brother to a politician is unique and a unique challenge. I have a unique responsibility to balance those rules. It's not always easy, Cuomo said, adding, when my brother's situation became turbulent, being looped into calls with other friends of his and advisors that did include some of his staff, I understand why that was a problem for CNN. It will not happen again. It was a mistake because I put my colleagues here, who I believe are the best in the business, in a bad spot. I never intended for that. Chris Cuomo did what any loving brother would do for his family. He'd ride with his family, then ride with his business. That's what you're supposed to do when you have love for your family. You might say, Gerald, that's disgusting. You're not supposed to ride with your family if somebody did something wrong. Let me explain something to you right now. If my brother were to commit some type of crime, I don't have the heart to turn my brother in. I'm telling you that right now. When you have grown with your brother, either a younger brother or older brother or any type of sibling, you have that lovingness in you to not want to see anything bad happen to your sibling at all. Your sibling have, could have committed murder, but you're not going to give your sibling up to the feds. You're not going to give your sibling up to anybody. That'll be a situation where you become a ride or die to your sibling. That's if you have enough love for your sibling. And I'm not discrediting for people that have love for their sibling, but say, hey, yo, I can't ride with you because you did this. Hey, you have your own specific love. I'm talking about me. If my brother were to commit a crime, I can't turn him in. Because I have grown with my siblings. We have an understanding that we love each other. We want to see the best happen for each other. But we try to 
steer them in the right path so nothing happens to them. Steer them into the path that, Ayo, don't commit this, don't do this. You've seen me from my experience. Learn from me. If I'm doing something right, you follow along the exact same path that I'm doing. If I see you doing something wrong, I'm going to pull you by the side or I'm going to slap you behind the head and tell you, hey, listen, stupid, follow me. You're hanging around with the wrong people or you're about to do something stupid to ruin your life. That's what happens when you have siblings. And this is basically what Chris Cuomo did. Metaphorically speaking, he slapped his brother behind the head and told him, hey, listen, stupid, whatever you did or didn't do, listen, I'm here to help you clean this up, but make sure that this never happens again. And he even said it right here with the CNN that he put some of his co uh, his workers, co-workers in a position that's not fair to them. He says they're the best in the business. Yes, they're the best in the business and they can sidestep this. They can dance around it. But whenever you have a certain topic in the news, you want to cover it as the best of your ability. You don't have to sidestep nothing. You want to get all up in the topic you want to. But whenever a co-worker of yours, a.k.a. in this is a Chris Cuomo brother, is into something and you guys are co-workers with Chris Cuomo, you can't really dig into this topic as you want to dig in because you have to see Chris Cuomo every day. He's on your roster. You know you're going to talk to him sometime. So you want the interaction to be pleasant. That's the reason why they couldn't dig into this as much. I never paid attention so much closely to this because if I would have, matter of fact, I'm not even going to lie to you say I would have. This is not my type of situation. I saw the reports. I saw the photo. Let me tell you something. Andrew Cuomo and the holding the girl's face at a party or something. If that's him just getting close to her, first and foremost, don't ever put your hands on the girl's face unless you and that girl have a good chemistry with one another and you guys are literally about to kiss. That looked like Andrew was going in for a kiss, and that girl just looking shocked right there. So, first and foremost, that photo was out of line. I don't care. That photo might have been taken at the straight-up wrong shot, wrong time, and he was just talking to her or something, but that photo looks nasty. I'm just going to be I'm gonna be honest with you. That photo looks absolutely nasty. But getting back to Chris Cuomo trying to do everything he can for his brother, I know, I know that feeling. There's been certain times in my household whenever my sibling has done something and I had to take the blame for it because I didn't want to see them uh, deal with the ramifications or the action for it. I can't remember now, so I'm letting you know, Mom, Dad, whenever you ask me, what did they, what did your sibling do? Hey, I can't remember right now. And this is truth. I can't remember it. But there's been plenty of times that they have done something that I've taken the blunt for it. Because I would tell him, hey, yo, if this goes wrong, hey, blame it on me. I'll take the heat for it. And that's what happens. I, I would tell them, hey, yo, if something goes wrong, just to blame me, I'll take the heat for it. I'll, I'll take care of it. That's what happens. That's the type of sibling love that you have. That's the type of sibling love that Chris Cuomo has for his brother Andrew. Now, I would love to tell you that every sibling is going to do this. But no, every sibling did not. Isn't going to do this. But what you should do is make sure and steer your sibling into the right path that they don't do nothing stupid. That's what should happen. And I believe that with CNN having to reprimand Chris Cuomo and tell him, hey, yo, we're not going to discipline you this time. We're not going to suspend you or hit you with a fine this time because we understand the type of situation that you're in. 
But we're telling you right now, since we now got wind of you doing this, don't you ever do this again. Chris Cuomo is not going to advise his brother at least as much as he did do. I'm not going to say that he's not going to still do it underneath CNN's nose. He'll do it somehow by carrier pigeon or by telling a middleman to tell his brother what to do or some of that nature. A brother's not going to stop caring for his brother in the midst of trouble. That doesn't happen. A brother's not going to stop caring for his sister in the midst of trouble. That doesn't happen. And vice versa. A sister's not going to stop caring for her sister. A sister's not going to care for stop caring for a brother. That's just what happens. And with the world, I believe that, yo, you shouldn't be trying to uh, go and try to put your fist down Chris Cuomo's back for looking after his brother, Andrew. You might say, well, he's a grown man. He can handle himself. Listen, I have grown siblings. But if you tell me my brother is in trouble right now, I think I ain't going to drop everything I got to do to go and rescue or try to help out my sibling. That's just what happens. Chris Cuomo, he's dropped everything that he had to do, and he was trying to save his brother and help out his brother as much as he can. I respect it. I truly do. And if you don't respect that, I don't know what else to tell you. You didn't grow up with siblings. You didn't. There's no way if you grew up with siblings, you're not going to respect what Chris Cuomo did. You could be black, white, Asian, whatever the race may be. If you grew up with siblings, you know exactly what Chris Cuomo did was right. He picked family over business, and that's exactly what should happen in every case scenario. You pick your family over the business. Because without family, guess what? You are lost and without a cause. Certain people are able to be loners in this world. Certain people are okay to be just straight up by themselves. But once you've had family, a loving family dynamic around you, there's no way you're losing that. Now, off of that topic of familyhood, onto a, another topic about familyhood, but differently. This topic is coming from Yahoo Entertainment. Morley Simmons shocked by X. Russell Simmons lawsuit labels it extortion and serial abuse. And it reads, Kimora Lee Simmons is responding to her ex-husband, Russell Simmons, recent lawsuit against her and her current husband, Tim Lasnier. After Simmons, 63, alleged in a complaint that Kimora, 46, and Lesnier, 49, frequently transferred 4 million shares of energy drink company Celsius to pay for Lesnier's legal fees related to a Monday money laundering case. Kimora is responding to Simmons's claims. Kimora and her children are shocked by the extortion uh, harassment coming from her ex-husband, Russell Simmons, who has decided to sue her for shares in dividends of Celsius stock in which Kimora and Tim Lesnier inv invested millions of dollars. Kimora's legal team tells People in a statement, this is an ill-advised attempt by Russell to use the legal system to access funds he is in no way entitled to in which, which his own legal team confirms Russell did not pay for. Russell's continued aggressive behavior not only blatantly distorts the facts, but is simply a desperate PR ploy ignoring the years of mental and emotional anguish, gaslighting, and ongoing harassment he has inflicted on Kimura. The statement continued without giving details concerning those claims. A representative for Simmons did not respond to people's response for comments. 
The legal counsel continued by stating that Simmons will be held accountable for his serial abuse as they confront his claims related to the Celsius stocks. We will continue with no, we will confront his baseless claims that he is warranted Celsius stock dividends despite his self uh, self admitted zero contribution. This extortion attempt is especially egregious given that Russell remains contractually in debt to Kamora for millions of dollars in unpaid business loans. The statement ended. Our team is actively working to put a firm into his harassment, which continues. Despite Russell having fled the country, he will face his own reckoning in the U.S. court. Simmons' whereabouts are currently unclear. In 2019, he spent some time in Bali, Indonesia. However, his rep told the blast at the time that he was the accusation that he was the accusation that he was hiding out in Bali, a country that does not have any extradition treaty with the United States' faults. In Simmons' lawsuit, he accused Kamara and Lesnier of fraudulent, well, fraudulently transferring his stocks in order to pay Lesnier's $44 million fine to avoid jail time after pleading guilty to criminal conspiracy to, to commit money laundering. Simmons requested that Kamara and Lesnier reaffirm his 50% of Celsius stocks, well, shares, pay money, and punitive damage along with legal fees. Listen here. I don't know what to tell you on this whole situation with two people doing business and one uh, a former couple being together and now they're divorced, which in this case is Kamora and Russell. And now Kamora's with her new husband, Tim, who's now in some huh, trouble. And now he has to pay up of a $44 million fine to avoid jail time after uh, pleading guilty to criminal conspiracy to commit money laundering. Listen here. I don't know what to tell you. This is a messy situation that should have never gotten out to the public at all. I believe that this should have been handled between business people. Kamara Lee is a business uh, woman. Tim Lesnier, he's a business person. Russell Simmons, who is, is a business person as well. They should have been able to have their accountants and lawyers to look up the situation and take care of the situation. Now, what I'm understanding is, is Russell found out that they were taking money away from the stocks and they were transferring over to pay up Tim's uh, part of his uh, money so he won't have to go to jail. And now apparently it's coming out that Kamara saying that, yo, that money doesn't belong to Russell at all. He has no business to it at all or anything of that nature. Listen, Russell. Here's here's Gerald Garrett talking to you. You are out of the United States because if you are in the United States right now, boy oh boy, you'll be in clink clinked right now. I'm just saying, don't try to blackball. Well, screw you. I'm on a low level now, so if you hear this from me, uh, first and foremost, I want to say hi, Russell. Secondly, that is despicable, bro. If you have no business to this, don't try to take from Kamora Lee from helping out her dude. One. Two. Now let me play devil's advocate for this. Kamora Lee, if that belongs to Russell Simmons, that stocks, don't think that you, just because your man's in trouble that you should be able to dip your hands into that and pay off some of your man's stuff. That ain't how that works. Your ex-husband is a businessman. 
He knows numbers. He knows how what should what a business sheet should look like. He knows exactly how much stock he has. Especially if you're out of the United States, which I cannot confirm nor deny because I do not know. But if he's out of the United States, he needs to know how much money he has. So, with that being said, give the money back to him if that belongs to him. But then again, Russell, you owe Kamora Lee Simmons some money from in this thing that I rent. You owe her money from unpaid uh, business loans. Dog, all right, if you owe her money, let's just do simple math. Take the money that you took from me out from that and take it. Take the money that I owe you, right? If I don't owe you that much, take it from there and pay me back what you got. But if I owe you that, just take it out of that and subtract it from how much I truly owe you. It's simple math, even when you come down to regular people. If somebody owes somebody, that's what happens. You don't do no more and less to it. So with this, my last final thoughts about Kamora and Russell. Russell, if you owe Kamora money, let her get that and have her pay you back what she took out of that from out of the whole entire what you owe her. If she was able to get the money that you owe from her out of that, let her take that and do about your day. Now, if Kamora, if you took more than what you're supposed to, more than what he owes you, you have the right no, you have to pay him back what that middle ground is. Pay the man back. This is simple business one-on-one etiquette. This is simple regular people one-on-one et etiquette. You pay back what you owe. It's simple. That's rule number one. And secondly, you don't do business with family members, ladies and gentlemen. The only time you ever do business with family members is if you guys have had strict conversation before you even get into business know your roles don't step out of it and usually that's hard to do when you're talking about business and family because everybody wants to put their hands into everything even though they might not be qualified to do so they still want to try to make the business better than what it truly is at the moment but here's the deal make a line in the sand let them know this is what's happening i control this you control this we do this together don't step into what i'm doing and i won't step into what you're doing and this is how the money gets split down blah 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 get your lawyers together get your attorneys together get your accountants together get whoever you need to get together for your business to work get it done Usually they say don't crap where you eat and they say don't mix business with pleasure. Those are the two most infamous sayings with anything. But whenever people want to work together with friends and family, that's whenever those two sayings hit most. But certain people are able to make it work. Me, I, I'm a guy that tells you point blank up in front. This is what's happening. Don't screw me over this and that. Don't jump into my lane. I won't jump into yours. That's how I am. I'm a, I'm a more of a handshake agreement type guy. But as I'm growing up and I see people business get dissolved because they didn't have that conversation with their people up front and have business paperwork coming in the back end, it's swaying me to now think about doing business paperwork. But I'm still working on the handshake agreement. 
Because the only thing you have in this life is your word. And yes, your words will be transcribed onto a piece of paper whenever you do do paperwork. But I believe that lawsuits and everything else shouldn't ever have to come into play when you do family and business ever. It shouldn't have to get to that if you are truly people of your word. That's what it is. Because the only thing you have in this life is your word. Your credibility, your reputation, and your word is the only thing you have in this life. If people know you as a good person, guess what? They respect you and they'll do business with you as a good person. If people know you're a shark, at least they know, okay, he's a shark. I have to be careful of him. But if you can get the job done, you get the job done. But they know you're a shark or they know you're a snake. So they know how to move within those parameters. But whenever you're working with family and friends, it's always a hard thing to do because when money comes to play, boy, people start turning differently. People might say, no, Gerald, money just magnifies who you truly are. No, that's not the case. Certain people are nice dudes. Certain people are nice people. And then when money, they get money, they just change into different people because they never had that much money or they never had money in their life. And then voila, they change. It's not that they were like this before. It's just that now that they got money, they try, they, they change into a different person. So money does change people. It's just that you can't allow that money to change you. That's what it is. But anyway, getting back to this, Kamora Lee Simmons and family and friends and business, have your ducks in a row. Have that conversation before you get into business with them. And for the love of God, make sure it's all been written down. Or unless your people's word is bond, you can do a handshake agreement. But proceed with caution have the paperwork done and ready. And if they don't like it, guess what? Then that business wasn't meant to uh, happen. Now on to something else that I found fascinating. Hillsong founder admits to fostering celebrity culture, but defends church. And the statement is, look at Justin Bieber today. The church that I'm talking about is Hillsong Church. And the founder is Brian uh, Houston. And this is coming from Yahoo Entertainment. And it reads, Brian Houston is speaking out about recent scandals surrounding the Christian megachurch, including former pastor Carl Lentz firing for moral failures. Hillsong, an Australian-based church founded in 1983, became something of a pop culture namesake due to famous worshipers like Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, and Chris Pratt. During a sit-down interview with today's Sarah, uh, Savannah Guthrie, Houston admitted to missteps when asked if celebrities got better treatment and more attention. I do think that we did allow a culture to develop where it was one rule for celebrities and a different rule for other people, Houston said Wednesday's interview. Bieber became synonymous with Hillsong due to his close ties with Lentz, who served as his former spiritual advisor. The lonely singer even moved in with Lentz and his wife in 2014 during what Bieber called a personal low point. Houston pointed to the singer as being one of the church's success stories. One person who obviously been well reported is Justin Bieber. He explained, if you think back several years now when he was wrecking hotel rooms and basically on the edge of getting deported to Canada, there was certainly talk about that and living in and out-of-control life with abusive drugs and so on. And look at Justin Bieber today. Anyone who's being fair could see a radical change and so not everything about Hillsong is bad. Lentz, dubbed a styled-up pastor to the stars by GQ, was one of the biggest faces of Hillsong. But some inside the church claim he started 
acting like a celebrity himself. People describe Carl Lentz as somewhat aloof and removed from the actual ministry. They say he would come in a chauffeured car, wait in the green room, come do a sermon, and depart. Does that bother you? Savannah asked. It does to a degree for sure, Houston replied. Carl was Carl. He's a unique character. There's a lot of things I miss about Carl. But having said that, there were leadership issues that I believe included lying, including what I will call narcissistic behavior. Lentz was fired in November due to leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. Houston said in a statement at the time, Lentz admitted to cheating on his wife of 17 years. Houston told Savannah he had concerns and many conversations over the years with Carl. I think there's a lot of things I should have known earlier and hopefully moving forward we'll make sure we have a far better systems in place and better accountability, Houston said. Hillsong has churches in 28 countries around the world. The church is an average global uh, average global attendance of 150,000 weekly, according to his website. While contemporary, it has also been criticized for its outdated views of LGBTQ rights. Houston wrote a blog post years ago about how he believes in traditional Christian thought on gay lifestyle and gay marriage. I want us to get better at the way we communicate and embrace in Communicate and embrace and work with people who are gay. Houston told Savannah, I don't have any personal biases at all against gay or lesbian people. But unfortunately, as a pastor, you don't represent what you think. You represent what the Bible says. And so at this point, we're still a conservative one on the subject of active gay relationship, etc. But it's a journey, he added. Everyone's welcome. Many, many people who are gay come to Hillsong Church. Now I just read you guys that whole article. Let me give you my whole brief on this. We put celebrity Pat, we put pastors on a complete different pedestal than we do ourselves. And we do that rightfully so thinking. Because whenever you see somebody on the pill pit talking to us, or in certain instances talking down to us, you think that, okay, they're a pastor. A pastor comes with a heavy title. That title is extremely heavy. It's like the heavy uh, it's like the crown. If it, the crown is so heavy, but the head has to be so heavy to wear that crown on their head. That's all it is. No person in real life should ever feel that they have the ability to be better than you. Feel that, oh, I'm better than this person because of this. Oh, I'm better than them because of that. No, 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 no. Everybody is the same. We all have different attributes. But with the church, it's different. With the church, when you walk in, you get put in a different catalog and i've seen it in multiple different churches you can be at a church and in a uh special guest pastor walks in and he gets to sit down in a certain section and all the ushers get paid like pay a lot of close attention to this special guest and it's common because you will want to make a good impression on anybody that's the reason why i understand why a lot of ushers pay attention to the special guest pastor that comes in. I'm not an idiot to it. I understand exactly what it is. You pay close attention to them. But it becomes different whenever you as a pastor pay close attention to that well, special guest pastor walking in instead of your congregation, your members, your original members. And even whenever special guest celebrities or anybody come in that are special guests and get hit with that 
extra specialness, people tend to look down at the church like, wow, this church is really uh, paying close attention to this celebrity. Because in the back of the mind, they're thinking, okay, the pastor wants something out of this celebrity so they can do something for them. And that's all it is. And in certain instances, yes, that's the case. Certain instances, yes, the pastor wants their special guest to do something for them down the line or quite simply put their church on the map. And that's what happened, I believe, with this guy, Carl Wentz, with Justin Bieber and everything else. I remember uh, a white dude hanging around Justin Bieber, and this was whenever Justin Bieber was going through his bad boy for phase, and he tried to act black, and he just destroyed everything. He was in, uh, he was being uh, in a, he was being questioned by police officers in a interviewing room, and it's on TMZ somewhere, and it's on, it's floating around somewhere, and he just had a complete bad attitude, and then you start seeing him months later with this dude, and I didn't know who this dude was until the media uh, put me on and let me know that this white dude was his pastor, and the dude didn't look like original, like a pastor, like, he looked like a regular dude, he just looked like a guy that would wear regular street clothes, and the only thing that was so significant about him is that he wore like a black jacket. I mean, but the dude looks normal. He didn't look like a pastor, stuffy, in a suit, and all this type of jazz and extra-ness. No, he just wore like regular stuff. He just wore like high fashion stuff. He didn't look like a pastor. But anyway, getting back to my point, a pastor is just like every other person. Don't put a pastor on a special hierarchy don't put them on the special pedestal because once they do something foul and it comes to light that gets blown down and your belief in the christian religion is done off of that one experience i can name multiple people that if you go and look back at it now you're going to say by god we let these people get on the bill on their on get and be the faces of christianity you could say Carl Lentz now because he cheated on his wife. You could say uh, John Gray because he cheated on his wife. You could say Creflo Dollar. If you don't know who Creflo Dollar is, he was a black. He is a black pastor who asked for a lot of money to fund some of his uh, activities. And like the latest thing I knew about him is that he was asking for money so he can get a new private jet. There's been. Other pastors, and let me matter of fact, let me look up some other pastors. Another pastor is Kenneth Coleman, and another pastor is Jesse Duplantis. There's been multiple pastors that have been asking for money just to get way big budget items that, in reality, doesn't make sense to have at all. Your job as a pastor is to preach the goodness of God, preach the goodness of Jesus Christ tried to get everybody into heaven. Basically, that's your job title. That is your job recommendation. No, not your job recommendation. That's your job description as a pastor. But then when you see pastors give all this special attention to a quote-unquote special guest and not pay attention to his congregation, that's nasty. That person is not of the right material to be leading you. That's what you should look at. 
Yes, they can song and dance them way all up on that pill pit and start heavy breathing and preaching to you and da-da-da-da-da to you. But once you see how they act in front of a quote-unquote special guest, I want you to start looking at them. Just whenever you see and you go to a church and you see a special guest pastor comes in, See how your pastor acts. See how that see how your pastor acts towards the congregation towards the special guest. Is your pastor more awake? Is your pastor more animated? Does your pastor change himself in front of that special person, that special guest than he would if that special guest wasn't there and this was like any other Sunday. I understand that the pastor wants to bring and yet again, show off a good first impression. But there's a difference between doing that and then just straight up being nasty with yourself and changing yourself to try to, like, just completely change your way in front of somebody. That's nasty, B. Be yourself. That's all you are required to do as a pastor. Be yourself. Get people into heaven. Teach them the goodness and about God. That's all it is required to be a pastor. Now again to Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz had some infidelity problems with a mistress and he confessed to it and he got, well, excommunicated or in the words of John Wick, excommunicadoed out of the church. And people looked down upon him for cheating on his wife of 17 years with somebody. Listen, he is a human being at the end of the day. Strip away everything from everybody. Strip away Jeff Bezos. Yes, he's a billionaire. Yes, he's a man who created Amazon. At the end of the day, what is he? He is nothing but a mortal man with red blood, uh, emotions, just like everybody else. We put people too high up on a pedestal. Carl Lentz happened to be on a pedestal because he took care of celebrities. He brought celebrities into the church and got the church to high notoriety off of these celebrities. That is what led to his demise. Him being around celebrities and everybody getting to know him on a big global uh, standpoint. And then whenever his demise became public to the whole entire world, he went down in flames. If he was never involved with celebrities i don't think that his uh mistress would i'm not gonna say his mistress wouldn't have come out but his alleged not even alleged affair his confirmed affair wouldn't have been such a big thing yes people in the church community would have shunned not even shunned but like looked at him in a certain type of way but then they would have got over that within a good couple of months or even like some years because everybody makes mistakes. It's the Christian quote unquote way to forgive and forget about somebody's past. I just think that right now Carl Lentz has to just take these uh, whippings, these tongue lashings, if you will, from uh, the former church that he was the pastor of. And uh, in the words of public relations, become a better man, work on himself. To become a better person and then the world will look at him and see that he has changed his way and he is actually a better person. That was the PR for Carl Lentz in my words of what 
usual PR would do. That's what should happen for Carl Lentz. I believe that people should look at pastors like regular people. Don't look at pastors as superhumans. They're not. They're regular people. They're going to fall and stumble and make mistakes just like everybody else. And the usual thing for us as churchgoers, we look at our pastors as the guys that we're supposed to talk to whenever we're in distress. We look at them as, hey, what did the Bible say about this situation and that situation? And then I'll tell you what the Bible said, and they will interpret it into what you should do about your life or that certain situation. No. What I would advise every churchgoer is to go to church, hear the message, get in, get out. Sure, you can be relatable to other people inside the church and be friendly and have these kinships with them, but don't forget the reason why you're there. You're there to become closer with God. You're not there to become closer with human beings. Yes, you will go be there and see people in distraught and distress over their own personal uh, situations. That's why they're there at church, because they're trying to get salvation from the man upstairs. But here's the thing. Do not let that cloud while you're there. You're there to get the lesson. You're there to get the understanding from what the pastor is saying, and that is all you're trying to do. That is all. So whenever you see these pastors ask for big conglomerate size uh, money donations, don't give them not a red dime. Don't do it at all. Give them your offerings and your tithes. That's only if you go within that realm of offering and tithes. Me personally, I have my own situation with that, I believe, with your offerings. Those are exactly what it is, offerings. You can offer to give it up. It's not required of you. And your tithes, I would say just save it off for a rainy day. Save those tithes up. Save it up. And whenever you see like a real homeless person really in need in the real world, or you see a real charitable donation that needs it, you give it off to them. But if you want to break bread off for the church, for what they're teaching you the way, yeah, sure. Give your tithes to them if that's what you're feeling to do. But for me personally, I would say hold your bread until you see somebody in real desperate need and you give the money off to them and you can say, well, I know where my tithes truly went instead of, okay, my tithes went to this church, but what are they doing? That's just me on that scenario. And then back to this case, Carl Lentz, he did too much. He took a downfall. He'll be all right. And that's all I got to say about that. And before I leave out of here, I want to talk about one guy who set the internet ablaze this week. And his name was Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. If for anybody that doesn't know who Kwame Brown was, and personally, I didn't know who he was until, well, it hit me whenever I saw him. He was a basketball player who spent 12 years in the NBA and he was selected uh, first overall pick straight out of high school in the 2001 NBA draft. The only reason how I knew about Kwame Brown was because I used to watch all that of Stephen A interviews, well Stephen A compilation videos and Stephen A is a sports analyst, sports journalist that works for ESPN. And he's famous for first take with him and his former co-host, Skip Bayless, who has left to go to Fox. And now he has a show, Skip being, has a show, Undisputed with Shannon Sharp, while now uh, Stephen A has a show, still first take, with now Max Kel- Max uh, 
Kellerman. Anyway, no disrespect to Max, first of your last name. Getting back to a point. Stephen A. for years would bash Kwame Brown, calling him a bust, calling him uh, the low, calling him everything but the son of God, about how he was a trash basketball player and this and that, right? And throughout the NBA, the running theme and joke would be Kwame Brown being the worst NBA pick of all time. That will literally be the worst bust. A bust in the NBA is he did not live up to the potential that he was for being picked that high up in the draft. Anyway, getting to my point. Kwame Brown had enough. Kwame Brown lit everybody on fire verbally this week. He went after Matt Barnes and Steven, uh, Stephen Jackson and Gilbert Arenas. That's who his first three uh, targets were because... Steve, uh, Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson has a podcast called All the Smoke. And they brought in uh, Gilbert Arenas, who was a former NBA player. All these three men are all former NBA players. And they were talking about basketball topics. And they brought up Kwame Brown. And Matt Barnes and uh, Stephen Jackson happened to say something about Kwame derogative. And apparently it came back to... Kwame Brown and Kwame Brown just happened to have enough. He lit up Matt Barnes by saying, you have a whole... He called him Becky with the good hair. He called him... Uh, he called him sensitive. And he told him that, hey, he's it's not his fault that your wife went off to your teammates, your, your teammate and slept with him. And now he's your kid's daddy. He went off on Matt Barnes. And then he went on... Steven Jackson calling him a wannabe gangster. He told him that he's not a real man. He should be pulling up his pants and putting down the weed and being a real man. He went at Gilbert Arenas because Gilbert Arenas apparently took money out of his mouth of money that he could have earned for a contract down the line and that Gilbert Arenas screwed that up. He went after, Kwame Brown went after, uh, the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne the God, because Charlemagne talked about how on the air how people need to leave Kwame Brown alone and put out some personal family uh, details about Kwame Brown, which if you have the internet, in which I know that everybody does, you can look up Kwame Brown's family history for yourself. And Kwame got on Charlemagne for exposing that. And he got at Charlemagne for his past history of being a nasty man himself for even uh, accepting his nastiness and telling or talking about it. You can look up what Charlemagne did. I'm not going to say it on my platform unless I get like a sponsor to sponsor me back and actually back me if I get into any lawsuit. I'm That's the reason why I'm not talking and hinting at certain situations. That's one reason. That's the only reason I don't have backers backing me yet. But once I do, you'll be hearing me talk about a whole lot of deep-rooted uh, situations. But anyway, Kwame Brown just went at a whole lot of people's head tops. He went at a whole lot of people's, a whole lot of former NBA players' uh, heads. He went at a four. He went at four. He went at current NBA players. He went at uh, Stephen A. He went at Stephen A. for all the name calling of him throughout the years and Stephen A even had the backpedal on NBA uh I don't know what 
uh, sports uh, show he was on, but there was a clip that he talked to certain athletes, and the athletes had explained to Stephen A. why, in certain instances, qual- certain instances, a bust is not a truly a bust. And Kwame Brown had to break down why his situation was different. Kwame Brown was drafted by Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, if you watched the uh, uh, Last Dance documentary that aired early, I believe, no, 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 last year in 2020, I believe, like the middle of 2020. Anyway, if you watch that documentary, you understand how Michael Jordan was a competitive player. He did everything. He went at his player. He went at his uh, coaches. He went after everybody. He wanted that intensity. But anyway, this was now later in Jordan's career, and he's now not with the Chicago Bulls. He's with the Washington Wizards. He drafts over Kwame Brown. And Kwame is coming out of high school, and he's the number one overall draft pick in any draft, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, doesn't matter. When you're the first overall pick, you have a big old bullseye on your back. Everybody's going to be looking at you to see what you do. And Kwame Brown didn't have a good year. Kwame Brown broke down why he didn't have a good year and why he didn't play so well because Michael Jordan would treat him bad. Michael Jordan didn't really want him on the team. He used he was trying to get him as a bargaining chip to get somebody else that he wanted on the team. But whenever uh, that didn't happen, he treated Kwame completely bad and kind of killed Kwame's uh, desires to do uh, the NBA like that, do well in the NBA. I mean, Kwame played 12 years, but apparently his expectation was big and apparently he didn't succeed to the expectation. But anyway, Kwame just let loose on everybody. He flamed everybody and it's still going on right now. If you look up YouTube right now, Kwame Brown, he's going to, he's flaming a lot of people. He just went after them because he got tired of being the butt of the jokes. He got tired of it and now he's fighting back and I'm, and I got to tell you, all his uh, reasonings of why he's fighting back at people, I understand why. You got to leave people alone. Whenever people are asked to be left alone and they don't fight back, why are you constantly kicking in this person's back that it hasn't been saying nothing or done nothing to you for a long time? You don't constantly kick at people thinking they're not going to do nothing. That's like keep on poking a bear. Yes, you know a bear's dangerous, but boy, you're going to keep on poking it. Kwame Brown is six foot eleven, almost seven foot, and he played in the NBA. If you looked up college NBA college players that play basketball and co- and even NBA players, you know them dudes are tall. Why would you constantly want to poke fun at this man? And he's been nothing but silent. He hasn't said nothing, done nothing to anybody. Why would you constantly want to poke fun at him and keep on kicking in his back? So. He did what he was supposed to do. He took all that anger that was balled up and he let loose and he let anybody have it that came uh, wrong out the mouth. And that's what you're supposed to do. Well, first and foremost, if it was me, I would have straight up killed that noise off rip whenever that mess first started happening. But Kwame's a better man than me. He took it for he took it for now 20 years. And now he's out here letting loose 
And I hope he gets a podcast deal or even a TV deal or some type of deal. Sit down, interview, and just let loose on everybody. Because his situation is completely different than any other sports uh, player out there in the world. I think the only person who might be able to rival this uh, situation is Michael Sam. And Michael Sam was the first uh, gay, openly gay football player that was supposed to be drafted high in whatever year that was. Hold on, let me look up the year for this. That draft that he was supposed to be ranked way higher in was the 2014 NFL draft, but he was in the round 7th, and he was pick number 200 and, hold up, 249. Him coming out being a gay man in the NFL killed his bargaining chip, his position as being one of the high-picked players. That's what happened i didn't know much and i don't know much about much about sports but whenever something of this big magnitude happens you pay attention and i paid attention to this his career got killed off before he could even start on the nfl uh position so if anybody's career can almost reflect kwame's is michael sam michael sam just happens to be on the gay side of the situation but he was supposed to be this big thing, but then he came out to be gay, and that killed his career. Kwame Brown, on the other hand, he was drafted number one, working with Jordan. You would think that should be the best time of your life, but ended up being absolute hell on earth for Kwame. So, there you go. Kwame took it for 20 years of jokes and everything, and blam, I'm here to, uh, I'm here, and I came to collect. Everybody that says something wrong and still says something wrong, you're going to get it. Anybody that think they're going to say something? You better shut your mouth. Don't talk. Because if you want some, you can say something. The only thing you got to do is just say my name, and I'm going to come and roast you, and I'm going to constantly get at you and get at you until you wave the white flag. I respect Kwame Brown for that because you know what? You constantly pick at somebody, it's going, it's, it's bound to happen that you're going to end up getting burnt for playing around with somebody like this. That's what happened. Tell the truth with everything that you do. And if you listen to Kwame Brown, he's telling the truth about his situation. He's telling the truth. There's no other way about it. Kwame Brown's telling you the truth about it. So with that, everybody, the lesson of the day is, one, tell the truth in everything that you do. Two, don't mix friendship and business together don't mix family and business together unless you guys come to a straight agreement and you guys have drew out that line in the sand and three do not put people on pedestals because the everybody's just like you at the end of the day they all bleed red if you stab them everybody's gonna tell lies everybody's gonna have their falls but everybody's human at the end of the day and the last lesson is do not mess with people if they're not messing with you. Leave them be. Do not, and I repeat, do not mess with them because if they're silent, I guarantee you, they're silent for a reason because they can come at you if they feel like it. Now, with that being said, let me read you off my social media uh, handles so where you can reach me at. On Twitter, it's at my2podcast. On Instagram, it's my two cents podcast G2. And for business inquiries, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And 
again, it's not TWO. It is the number two for all these situations. Now, I appreciate you guys listening to me. I hope you have a great Sunday. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. You will hear from me again next week when I talk about whatever I talk about. Hopefully, something good. Because you know what? This week was a bit of a dry week for news, but I was able to pick out certain things I really did talk about, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it gave you some clarity to think about things. And if you were in these situations, what would you do? Now, remember, there's still we're still approaching a light at the end of this tunnel. Yes, the we're almost close to this light before the end of 2021 is done with. The world will be opening back up. Everything will be back open. So we are close to this uh, tunnel being ending, and we're almost close to the light. What I want you guys to constantly continue to do is still wear your mask, be safe out there, and for the love of God, do not... Please do not hackle people that don't get the vaccine if they decide not to get it. And if they do decide to get it, do not heckle them that they got the vaccine. Stay in your lane. Stay in your place. Respect other people's reasoning and choice of why they do what they do. And with that, until you hear from this sweet sounding voice again, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. And with that, I will bid you guys uh, farewell. Have a great day. Have a great rest of the week. Bye-bye now. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.